Well, we're glad you're here, whether you're a first-time guest, whether you're a regular tender, or whether uh, you call Grace your home. We've been doing a series, let me catch you up just in case you're new to the series, called What's Under the Tree? And so you should have a bulletin in front of you to help you follow along. There's some notes inside there. We're going to use that throughout the service. And we've been looking at this concept of what's under the tree. We think about that every year for Christmas anyway. Some of us, depending on our age and our maturity, it's more important to us than others. But the reality is, is that God's also placed certain things under the tree, and we recognize that he's the ultimate gift giver. He's a much better gift giver than we are. And we looked at some of the ways in which that God has given. We talked about how God's given us life. God gives blessing, but also God has blessed us with family as well. And all these are great gifts from God. And each week we want to look at one of those gifts, specifically that God's placed under the tree for us, but then also mirror that in some way that we can give away a certain gift. So week one, I talked about how the reality is, is that God hung the stars in a place that he's unchangeable, he's unbendable, he's constant, and we can anchor into his word and his truth because it gives us a place to go that doesn't change on us in an ever-changing world. What a gift that he gave. So we talked about that week, one of the greatest gifts that you can give is to give Jesus away for the season and not really focus on just the stuff. So another thing that we did last week is Pastor Bud came, <clears throat> Pastor Bud shared a great message on the gift of wisdom. And so during the gift of wisdom, we looked at the greatest wisdom that God has ever given. It's really in the book of Proverbs. What a book. And so he challenged the church to actually read through Proverbs for the next 31 days. Many of you, many of you actually accepted his challenge and have been reading through the book of Proverbs, which is so cool. Can't wait to see how God uses that piece of wisdom to impact your life. So week three, we're going to look at this concept of all shook up. That's the name of the message, all shook up. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter six. If you don't have one, there's one in front of you. We'll also have it on the screen and it's in your notes. But we're going to look at this idea of all shook up out of Luke 6, 37 to 38. Let me read this passage and you can read along with me. Jesus said, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So each week we want to connect this principle in some different ways. So one of the ways we want to do it, it's just fun. Can we have fun in church? Is it okay? It's okay, right? Okay, good. Just making sure because some people don't think you can have fun. They just want to be sour. So I'm just making sure I'm getting permission we can have fun this morning. So if we'll turn over your bulletin, somewhere on your bulletin, one of you has a star or a mark. And if you'll look at that, one of you has something. I have a gift for you. Anybody, are you looking yet? Some people are wishing they had it. Anybody got it? Do you have it over there? I know that we gave it out this morning. It was. Who got it? There it is. That's why you have to look at the bulletin every week. I know. Come on up here. I got something for you. So under the tree, under this principle of all shook up, this concept, we're going to kind of give this to you guys in a different way, is um, a gift. I want you to come up, if you would, and just open it for us. Are you comfortable doing that? Can you make a speech while you do it? No, just kidding. Here you go. So see what's in there. You want to hold this for you? What did you get? What is it? What is it? It's a blender. Yeah, it's like a juicer, a blender. It actually puts like a little mini one, man. It's got like really this very sharp blaze. Be careful. Don't stick your hand in there. You needed one? And there's like other attachments in there too. And instructions. Men don't use those, but you do, right? Okay, good, good. 
So use those. So absolutely. So why do we give away a blender this morning? Let me give you this concept of where this passage comes out of. Everybody loves this passage. They love the rhythm of it, kind of how it gets put together, you know, especially in the original language. But what you may not understand is that Jesus is actually using a symbol in this passage. And it's pretty cool. I didn't realize it until recently either. And so in his day, when they were actually trying to give things away or they were working on commerce, they would have certain jars or different things that held a specific amount in the marketplace that they would use to measure out to make sure they're being fair. And so when, that, when you read this passage and you see this idea of give and it'll be given to you, good measure pressed down, shaken together, what he's actually talking about in the original, in the original culture was they would take those and once they put the grain in a, in a little teeny vase, they would shake it. You ever, so they wouldn't jip people off and tap it down and bring it all together so when it would settle and they would give that away, it would be the appropriate amount. They weren't jipping people off, only give them like a half-hearted or not quite what they're supposed to get. And when it's just poured into their lap, overflowing, it's this really cool picture because people all wore some weird-looking clothes back then, like we wear some weird ones now, but they you know, had that whole tunic thing. And so a lot of times they didn't have their own thing to carry that stuff home with, so they would just hold out their, if you want to call it an apron or tunic or whatever, they hold it out, and they would pour that into it. And that's what they would bring it to take home. So that's what this, this picture that Jesus is painting is that literally when we give in such a way, we're supposed to give generously, not cheating someone, not cheating ourselves in that matter. And if we do that, it comes back in such a way that it's hard to even hold. It's poured into our lap in a way that's really difficult. He did this because he was challenging not only us today, but the religious leaders of his day. The religious leaders of his day really looked at this idea of everything in faith was about what I get. You know, if I do this, then God's required to do this, fill in the blank. And they did things many times, not out of joy, but out of obligation, out of duty. And then expecting because they were better than someone else, what would happen is that God would bring that back to them. And it's an interesting concept. Also in this passage, which is really cool if you dig down deep into it, is the concept of the golden rule. You've heard the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you'd have others do unto you, right? For some of you, that kind of gets weird, especially if you're like, a, you know, well, was it masochist, sadist thing? That can get weird. Okay, but here's the reality is that this is talking about in this idea of being fair with people, especially fair when it comes to matters of faith. So let's look at this together. Let's redefine the golden rule. Let's look at the first verse in 37, a piece of 38. So here's the first thing you need to realize. The law cuts both ways. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about the golden rule. The law the law of the Old Testament, the law of the New Testament, and putting those together and understanding them in their fullness, it cuts both ways. So for a lot of us, we don't like that. We would like the law to cut one way, right? Away from us, right? What's, that? What's the one thing your mom always told you when you're learning to use a knife, right? Don't do this, Johnny. Don't do this. You'll cut your finger off. And I have to take you to the doctor. They didn't care you cut your finger off. They care they had to take you to the doctor and go to the ER. But they don't want you to cut your finger so you would cut away from. And I think a lot of us in faith, we'd like that. We'd rather the law cut in one direction, cut against everybody else in the world, but not against us. We don't like that concept, but there's this idea of what's called the law of reciprocity, which, and Jesus is trying to introduce this, which is when you do something, it gets measured back to you in a similar way. And that was messing the people up his day. Let's look at some of the concepts he was talking about. Judgment. How do you want to be judged? Well, based on how you want to be judged, you should judge other people similarly. Now, based on your life, that'll look differently, won't it? Forgiveness. How do you want to be forgiven? How do you like that? Do you want people to forgive you the way that you forgive? If they do, boy, the law of reciprocity might look ugly for some people, huh? Giving. 
how do you give? Do you give generously? Do you give stingy? You know, are you a tipper or are you a tither? What's the reality? How do you give? And then if everyone gave the way you gave, how would you like that measured back to you? That's literally what he's talking about when he's talking about this law cuts in both directions and it really messes with us. I tell you an area for pastors that they don't like about this law, okay? When you talk about the law of reciprocity and the golden rule and what Jesus is presenting here is a lot of times pastors work at the church, right? And so there's some pastors, they like to punch the clock. You ever met those pastors? Like, it's like, you know, comes a certain time, boop, I'm out of here, right? That's gone. Can't get me, can't find me, so sorry for you, right? That's kind of how some people work. There's other people that say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm available, but not always at one point in time. And then there's um, what I learned to do, which is to segment my time, but also to learn to do something that you do. I volunteer my time. So I think when you look at this idea, it's literally what you're saying is, I want people to live in such a way as I reflect God that they would reflect God back to me. So in other words, when I volunteer, I volunteer for the Boy Scouts. Why do I do that? Because you volunteer when you volunteer at church, right? Or you volunteer in the community. So if I'm working at the church, I need to volunteer in such a way that puts me in another setting to connect with people. That's what I mean by this law of reciprocity. If everybody did that, and they did that inside the church and did that, I think it would be a healthier place. So I have to live in such a way that I believe that the law cuts in both directions. It doesn't just cut you. It doesn't just cut me. It cuts both of us. That's, that's this idea. Number two, you got to understand that, that Christians are fellow convicts, not judges. We are fellow convicts, not judges. That's the other piece that you see in this passage. And I love it. It's so beautiful. Where he says, give, and it'll be given to you. When you start to think about this idea, it will really change the, your spiritual walk and your Christianity. So in other words, I'll, I'll give you an example that I think is a powerful example right out of our children's ministry from two weeks ago. In our children's ministry, um, we had one little kid who had got angry with another little kid. That never happens, right? Never happens with kids. Okay, no, no. So my aunt made us stare at each other until one of us apologized. I never apologized. That'll tell you something about my will, okay? I'm still working on that. But so they got mad at each other, and the one kid was remarking about the other kid's performance and just told them they weren't doing very good, and they were real mean about it. They were real mean about it. Well, I love our new children's director. She stepped in and said, hey, um, did you know that the Bible teaches us, especially as Christians, to not speak hatred and death to one another, but to speak life? And when you speak life into someone else's life, it not only affects their life, but all the people around them. This little boy listened and he kind of took it in, you know. He's processing it. Kids are amazing how they process all these things around them, aren't they? And then a little time went by and the, our director went back to talk to this little boy. And he said, you know, my mommy doesn't speak life. That's the law of reciprocity, okay? Our children's director, by the way, is sharp. She said, you know what? There was a season in my life that there were many people in my family, even one of my parents, that didn't speak life either. Do you know what I did? I can't change them, but I can change me. And I began to speak life into my parents every chance I got. Do you know my dad later in life now speaks life into me? Because as Christ begins this law of reciprocity and he begins this process of changing each other and changing one another, we can't change you, but I can work on me. The law moves in both directions. And you do that when you realize I'm not a judge of people. I'm a fellow convict. I'm a fellow convict. I'm guilty of everything that the law describes. And when I'm guilty of it, I'm not here to judge you. Oh my gosh, I'm a fellow sufferer with you. I'm in, I'm in change and bondage with you. And I've been realized that I've been set free and I want you to have that same freedom. My, my goal was not to make you feel horrible about the law, 
but to let you see the life that's in the law and how it gives life to each of us. Think about that and how people watch us and this law that cuts back and forth and how we're not supposed to be judges of people, but fellow sufferers and convicts. That's the first part of this passage that's so powerful and it's such a gift that God has placed for us under the tree. The second part is, let's look at how you shake this down. So how do you shake it down? Looking at just the second part of verse 38, when you, this famous passage that everybody loves, a lot of people memorize this passage, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure that you use, it'll be measured to you. So the first thing is, again, start by judging yourself. You really want to see this shake down in your life? You want to see this settle the way Jesus was describing in that word picture, you know, with the vase and the, and the, the carafe, if you, if you will? If you really want to see that happen, start by judging yourself. You know, the funny thing I've heard this said, you probably heard it said too, it's, it's, it's not that, uh, it's, it's a pretty broad statement, is when you point the finger at somebody, what, what's happening? There's three pointing right back at you. Have you ever noticed that? Some of you that have really well manicured hands notice it quicker. But, but the reality is, is that when you point the finger at somebody, okay, there's three coming right back at you. You know, if we were to start that way with this concept in scripture, I think it would change. I'll tell you one of the ways that I've, I've uh, seen myself fail in this way, and I've seen other, people's, other people fail in this way, when we criticize other Christian denominations. You ever met this? People love to do that. We, we immediately love to find what we don't like versus what we do like. I remember I was on a Bible study one time. I was hanging out with these men, and we were just chilling out, and we were trying to, to, to get closer to Christ and to learn the Bible and understand it. And the next thing I know, I found myself criticizing some Catholic brothers and sisters because they think a little different. They believe a little different. They've got some different concepts about some dynamics of faith. And I'll never forget what this one guy said. Boy, it was piercing. He's like, you ever read their instruction? You ever read their catechism? I'm like, nope, just going on hearsay. You know, that's what all of us do in Christianity. We just go and gossip and throw it out there, right? That's what we do. And he's like, why don't you read it? I was like, yeah, that's not a bad idea. And I started to read. And I found that there's some things I don't agree with, which is okay, because there's nuances into how they practice their version of the Christian faith. And I don't agree with those because I practice a different way. But I also found there's a lot of people in a lot of different denominations that they believe this core concept that Jesus has paid fully for their sins, and they're counting on him alone. That's called Christianity. You can't add anything to it. You can't take anything away from it. And when we start thinking and finding the things that we find that are similar to our faith, we get not only grounded, but that judgment comes back this way. In fact, it's funny when you turn the lens on your own Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or whatever your religious background is, isn't it? You turn that lens around sometimes and go, why do we do that, right? right? Why do we do that, you know? Why do, why do people want to take communion only one way? Why do people like music only one way? You know, what, what is it when we turn that lens around and we start judging ourselves and our own faith, it changes what happens. I, I tell you when I know this is wrong in my life, is when, in my prayer life. If you have a consistent prayer journey, you'll know when you're out of whack with this judging of self. Because I find even in my prayer life, I start judging other people in my prayer life. You ever done that? I've been in a group prayer meeting with people, and we're praying. This is so silly. I can't believe I do this. And every once in a while, it'll, it'll, I can feel it flare back up, and I'm trying to punch it back down through the spirit, you know? All of a sudden, I'll go, that's the dumbest prayer I've ever heard. Somebody pray something. I'm like, that's a dumb prayer. And I'm like, I can't believe I just thought that they prayed a dumb prayer. Is there actually a dumb prayer? There's really not one, right? But I just thought that. And in my own thought life, I'm like, what happened? And when I come back into my own prayer journey, I point those three fingers back at me. I'm like, oh, I've not been consistent in my own scripture reading or my own prayer journey or in my compassion and serving and love for other people. I can always find a hole somewhere in my Christian journey that is affecting how I'm looking at other people. And that's why you have to do this. I'll tell you a really good time to do this. We do communion here at Grace once a month. 
at least once a month, but we do once a month publicly here on the first Sunday of the month. I don't know about you, but when we come to that moment of reflection, you know, if you have anything and you need to confess it, that moment, that moment is so hard for me. I don't know about you. I feel like I could do the whole service and just confess. God, forgive me for this. Forgive me for this thought. I even forgot that I thought that. Forgive me when I said this harsh word to someone that I didn't, even, I didn't realize it was harsh until I saw their face and realized it landed. That was harsh. I could just start to think through all the different ways in which I've fallen short. And I, I, the whole service, honestly, for me, could be that confession part because I feel like I just need to come clean with God. I know I'm already forgiven, but I just need my heart cleansed because it's so easy to judge other people without judging self. And that's this passage is talking about. Start by judging yourself. The second piece in this uh, later part of shaking it down is give based on grace instead of greed. Give based on grace instead of greed. A really good person who loves acrostics once said that grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. So a lot of people borrowed that. I don't know who the original author of it was. I know it's actually much older than what we think it is, but it's you know God's riches. Everything God wants for you. All the gifts are under the tree, but you didn't get to purchase them. They're at Christ's expense. And when you think about that and you start to think about how that happens in your life and how God wants you to give, it will change your, uns- your concept of the golden rule. The other thing I want to present to you on this idea is you don't have to be rich to be greedy. Have you figured that out yet? Whether it's mercy or money or whatever the concept is, some of the richest people I know are some of the most gracious people I've ever met. Some of the poorest people I know are some of the most greedy and just holding on to every little thing that they've got. This has nothing to do with how much or how little. It has everything to do with this idea of grace and the heart. I had a wealthy friend one time when we were going through a change in our lives, we didn't have as much. And if you've been living well, you'll have those seasons, right? You have these seasons of much, and you've got these seasons of little, okay? Apostle Paul said the secrets to learn to be content in both, right? And we were being content. We were doing what we had to do. But I'll never forget this one wealthy friend, didn't know my situation from anything. And I'll never forget, um, he said, hey, I've got this gift for you. I just felt like God said to give this to you. And it was a substantial gift. And it was funny because I just tucked it in my Bible because I didn't want to look at it. That would be rude, right? And walked up. He said, hey, don't, 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 don't lose that, right? And I'm like, okay. I got home and I opened it up and I showed it to my wife. And we both just sat there and cried. At God's incredible ability to use the graciousness of his people. I've also had people who have very little who've in the right moment when God tells them to give, they give, and it just crushes your heart because you realize this is inside of God's people. This is the greatest gift that he's put inside of Christians is this capacity to give themselves away unselfishly because that's what their Savior did. That's what, that's what Jesus did. If you've never heard of this guy, a guy named Craig Groeschel, you can Google him later. Um, his, his name is hard to spell, so I would use Google or uh, Siri. You say, hey, Siri, who's Craig Groeschel? And uh, she'll pop him up for you. But Craig Rochelle is a pastor out in the Midwest. And Craig, at a critical point in the church, because you know the church can be, you know, get stressful with finances too at times, right? They were at this critical point in their finances. They didn't know if they were going to make budget. They didn't know if they were going to have to lay off certain employees. They had this big vision for reaching many people in the area of Oklahoma through satellites. And so they've got all these expenses they didn't intend. And it was in that season he went away on a mission trip. Now his whole staff was saying, look, you're doing these incredible resources. You need to sell them. I mean, this is what churches do, Craig. 
You build this stuff up, you've got this great staff. If we start selling some of these resources, start getting some income coming in from those, the reality is we want to pay for some of these salaries and some of the stuff going on. This is just a no-brainer. This is what everybody does. And Craig said, let me, let me pray on it. He went away on a mission trip, and he and his wife have been fasting meat. I don't get that, but that's what they've been doing, all right? So they're fasting meat. Bless you. And we don't get that, do we, bud? Fasting meat. Yeah, if you're going to fast vegetables. So, you know, if you're going <laughs> to, you lent people, okay? So they're fasting meat. And he's in this foreign country, and it's an incredibly impoverished country. And this lady presents to him meat, right? And he's thinking, I can't not eat this, one, because it would be insulting when someone gives you such a gift. And then one of the people that was a very mature Christian in that village said, hey, by the way, that's probably the only meat they'll eat this year because it's very costly. It's It's a tough commodity to get where they live. And Craig Groeschel said his heart was pierced. The generosity of Christians to give the only meat you will get for an entire year to a guest who's coming from the wealthiest nation in the world. He went back, he said, give everything at the church away for free. For free. He said at that point, they began to get more blessings that came into that church than they could ever have imagined. You cannot out give God's graciousness. You can't do it. To this day, they gave away just not long ago their millionth free resource. And one of the free sources they give away is a, a free online platform, which we're probably going to relaunch. We aren't probably going to relaunch on Christmas and actually start to share through what they've learned to share God's message for free again, just for anybody that wants to tap into it. Here's the reality. This not only, this not only works with things like finances, it works with other areas of your life. It works with compassion. When you view this lens, how compassionate are you? Can you be too compassionate? How are you giving your love and compassion away? It works for people with faith. How are the people's faith around you? Is it solid? Is it shaky? Is it a year where they've been shaken? Are you the person that God's calling to give something away in such a way that's going to rock their world? So here's my challenge this week for you. It's a very simple challenge. Give, there's just two ways to give. You can give many ways. One is breakfast of blessing, and another one's holiday hope. And I'll explain those to you. So two things you can do, and maybe God moves you to do something else. That's okay with us. But just two ways I think that you could give here at Grace that would bless people in Seaford. One would be give a breakfast blessing and a holiday hope. So let me explain those. So Pastor Bud's been working with our area schools, and he's been putting together baskets for kids that are probably going to wake up Christmas morning, and they may not have a good breakfast. For a lot of people, that's a reality. And to be able to, not, one thing to have you know, toys under the tree, it's another thing to actually have a really solid and great breakfast so that your family's eating well. We're putting, gathering those baskets, and you can get him on this information if you want more, and we're going to collect all those up and give those to families so that we know they're going to have a great breakfast. The other holiday hope, I can guarantee you, has nothing to do with anything except, anything except Christ. On Christmas Eve, we will do two services, a 4.30 and a 6 o'clock. If you invite someone to that service, here's what I guarantee you. They're going to have a great experience of God's love and God's compassion, but they're also going to hear about the humility of Jesus and his hope, a hope that changes lives every year, all the time. He's been doing this for thousands of years, and he wants to do it right here, and he wants to do it with people that you know that you know are crushed, they're hurting, they're distant from God, they're confused. What I'm asking you to do is not be their judge I'm asking you to be a fellow convict with them and to invite them to a service by which that they're going to hear the greatest news ever shared throughout all humanity. That's what we're going to do Christmas Eve. 
So I want you to think about that. Two things. You know, would you like to participate in a breakfast blessing? You can get with Pastor Bud. He'll tell you more about that at the end of the service. Or Holiday Hope. And the way you're going to do Holiday Hope is when you leave this place. I've put a whole bunch of cards out there. Um, the cards already been given away. It's like crazy. The cards look like this. Okay? And it just says, what's under the tree? This is an invite card. You hand it to someone at a restaurant. You hand it to a friend. You hand it to a relative. And on the back, by the way, it says, if you bring this invite card to Christmas Eve, there's a free gift for your guests that will be here waiting for them. Because it's not about what we get but about what we give away, and I'm asking you to give away the greatest hope ever. So to help you do that, I'm going to bring the band back up. We're going to lead you in a song that's just going to kind of make us rethink this idea of what it means to give ourselves away, okay? And then I just want you to keep on to that Connect card. So pull off your Connect card. How is God asking you to give of yourself this week? Maybe it's not in a way I've mentioned. Maybe it's a different way that I haven't considered or thought about. Listen, the Holy Spirit's pretty cool, and he can move you in different ways that maybe weren't mentioned this morning. If he moved in you to give in a certain way, what we want to know is how God has called you to give your life away. So this song this morning is just meant to help you think about what is God asking you to do in giving yourself away. And then at the end of that, Pastor Bud will lead us into a, a couple other things as we continue worship.